Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. In, in bounds, yeah, um, and it's actually a quote from John Newton entitled Prayer and Humility. If two angels were to receive at the same moment a commission from God, one to go down and rule Earth's grandest empire, the other to go and sweep the streets of its meanest village, it would be a matter of entire indifference to each which service fell to his lot the post of ruler or the post of scavenger for the joy of the angels lies only in obedience to God's will now what I pictured there was two angels they go into the throne room and God gives them their assignments their next assignments and they get back into the lift together to go back down, to go out, yeah? And one of them says to the other, where are you going? And he says, do you know what, I, I'm asked, I've been asked to go and rule over London. He says, oh, okay, where are you going? I've been asked to go and sweep the streets in Delhi. Okay, cool. The joy is serving the master. For us, when I hear that, I'm like, no, not cool. <laughs> not, not cool. Why were you given the ruling role and I was given the switch? That's where we go. It becomes very difficult for us to embrace the thing God has given us because we see other people doing other things which just look better. It's really hard. It's really hard. And that is about humility. Yeah? When he says it would matter, it would be of entire indifference. It doesn't even matter to them. Because the purpose, the aim, the joy is in to be obedient to God's will. Now, I would want to be obedient to God's will, but oh, I would be like, I, I would want to go back up the lift. Maybe we've got swap. Maybe we could do a swap. So, yeah, great. You've remembered some of what we've talked about, Jonah and compassion. And now we get to chapter 4 of Jonah and uh, Lucy's going to come and read for us. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said Lord when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat at a place east of the city. There he had made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. 
When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Lord, I just thank you for your kindness. I haven't actually been in any of the sermons about Jonah, but I know generally that you're very kind. And so, Lord, I do thank you for your kindness and that you never give us an assignment that you don't then equip us to complete. Um, Whether it's ruling a great city or sweeping the streets, you have perfectly um, fine-tuned assignments for us that you plan ahead of time to give us. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you know us so well, that you know what's best for us um, personally and best for us serving others. Um, We thank you for that kindness, Lord. And I pray as we come to your word, we come with open hearts um, and that you'd speak to each one of us, meet us where we are, um, and that we'd have a great time of just focusing on you, lifting our minds from thinking about ourselves and thinking about you. Amen. So for me, there are two um, great lessons in chapter four. But interestingly enough, the story of Jonah could have happened without chapter four. It's, you know, it's to Jonah's credit, assuming that he wrote the book that he includes the chapter that doesn't make him look very good. Um, But you could end at chapter three, couldn't you? Because at the end of chapter three, the, the Ninevites repent, God relents. That's the end of the story. But actually, I think the deepest lessons for us come in this final chapter of Jonah. And they they really revolve around two things. I'll tell you what they are, and hopefully we'll look at them as I speak, but I can never guarantee where I'm going to end up. But the two things that it really speaks of, one is a lesson that we learn from Jonah... And the other is the lesson that God teaches Jonah and therefore teaches us. And the first lesson that we learn from Jonah is an appropriate response to anger. How do you respond appropriately to anger? That's what we learn from Jonah because we see that Jonah's response is very appropriate to anger. And the other lesson that we learn, and we learn this from God, it's the lesson that God teaches Jonah, it's about empathy. It's not all about you, Jonah. It's not all about you or people like you. It's not all about how you do it. It's not all about even the Israelites. It's not all about that. Jonah needed to learn that lesson, and I think we'll discover we do too. When thinking about this, I was just thinking how many murders would have been prevented? How many suicides would not have happened? How many believers 
would have experienced God's grace and mercy, how many churches would not have split, how many people would not have left, how many families would not have broken down, how many careers would not have been ruined, if people had, like Jonah, turned their anger to prayer. Because that's what Jonah does. He turns anger to prayer. How many things wouldn't have happened that have caused such, such uh, evil in our world because we don't turn anger to prayer? Because we find other ways of dealing with anger. How many relationships would I not have stepped out of if I hadn't been hurt, got angry and decided, oh, I'm not going to deal with that. How many people would I not be resentful of if I didn't know how to turn my anger to prayer? That is what we find in Jonah chapter 4 and it's the first lesson and it's a massive lesson for us. Because although we live in a world where anger doesn't always display itself in aggression or violence, anger's in all of us. Yeah? Do you know what? Anger can look really nice at times. Anger can look really lovely. But it's still anger. It's still rebellion. It's still something inside that makes me go, oh. Jonah teaches us how to respond appropriately to anger. If he hadn't done that, if Jonah chapter 4 wasn't there, we would have heard the theory of it, but here we see in reality a man who knows how to respond to anger. Jonah became angry, then he prayed. How often do you become angry and then you pray? Like it's immediate. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Whereas most of us, we're angry and it boils and it boils. And, and, and one of the problems is we can justify our anger and therefore we don't think there's any need to pray because we think it's a justified feeling or emotion. It's really interesting though, because as I said at the very beginning, our disobedience to God provokes him. Yeah? It provoked him to go after Jonah it provoked him to send a storm on the seas. It provoked him to, to, to have Jonah cast into the sea. Jonah goes into the whale. His, his disobedience provoked him. But do you know what? Jonah's anger received God's compassion. Yeah? God is not provoked in the same way by your anger as he is by your disobedience. You need to hear that. You do need to hear that because sometimes we even think it's worse to be angry before God than it is to be, be, be rebellious or disobedient. No, no. It's much better to be angry before God than it is to be disobedient because your disobedience provokes him. Your anger really just provokes his compassion. It was an opportunity for God to show kindness to Jonah. He doesn't react to his anger as you might imagine. I suppose it's a bit like you know, if, if, if you have a five-year-old child, and, and, and I've had a five-year-old child, and they, get, they can get really angry, yeah? And uh, so we're not even talking about the temper tantrums of the two-year-old. We're talking about at five, it's like, a, it's like nuclear, it's big, yeah? They get really angry, 
Um, now you can naturally, because we're human, we, we can be provoked by the anger. But actually that's not what's needed. <laughs> what's needed is compassion. Yeah? You need to be able to reach out. You need to be able to ensure that you don't respond to that child in the way that child is responding to you because then it becomes like two five-year-olds. And that's not how you parent. I mean, that is often how you do it, but that's not really how you parent. Yeah? Where you put down the authority parent stick and you become five and you start shouting, they shout, you kick doors and they kick doors. That's not how it's meant to happen. Yeah? Your child's anger is a bit like your anger to God. God doesn't go... God doesn't go... God goes, hey, come on. Yeah, it's almost like he holds his arms out to James. He says, Jonah, really? Really? God shows him kindness. God fathers him. God teaches him through his anger. Now, how we deal with anger, in my view, can belie our understanding of God. Because some of us deal with anger by thinking, um, you know, it's not right to be angry. The Bible says, uh, don't let the sun go down in your anger. In your anger, don't sin. So I've got to keep my anger away from God. Sometimes I can think that. I've got to keep my anger away from God. And so I'll deal with it over here. And then when I've sorted that, I'll come back to the Lord and open my arms and worship. No. No. There's something that is much, much deeper in walking with God than that kind of understanding of dealing with anger. Anger can be brought to the Lord. Honesty needs to be brought to the Lord. And if you bring it to the Lord, do you know what happens? You, what you get from him is his compassion and his help. That's what you get from God when you bring him your anger. He may question things, but you can bring it to him. See, when God got angry, and the Bible says that God gets angry, and in fact we see his anger in how he deals with sin, yeah, it tells us in Romans 2 that the wrath of God was being poured out on mankind, so God gets angry, but the way he deals with his anger is appropriate, because if, if God really dealt with his anger in an uncontrolled way, we would all be obliterated. Yeah? There'd, be no, there'd be no life. Because in one moment, God would destroy something, and then, like we do, we'd go, oh my gosh, I wish I hadn't thrown that vase against the wind. We'd, we'd do that kind of thing. We destroy things in our anger. But God doesn't destroy things in his anger. In his anger, God poured his wrath onto his son. That's how God dealt with his anger. He dealt with it appropriately. He dealt with it in a way, yeah, there was, there was a cost there. But it wasn't like uncontrolled, emotionally done. There was a cost for dealing with his anger. Because anger is a natural emotion, but if it's handled properly, it leads to growth and fruitfulness in your life. It's also an emotion, when it's left unchecked, it leads to pain, hurt and death. People do horrible things in anger. So how can we deal with our anger? And how did Jonah deal with his anger that we can learn from? The first thing we see with Jonah is he acknowledges it. So when you get angry, do you acknowledge it? 
do you admit it or, or does it fester inside and you never quite admit to yourself, I'm really angry right now? Do you acknowledge it? Jonah doesn't deny his anger, he admits it. Yeah, sometimes our anger is internal and, and you know, we're not going to shout and holler at people, we're too polite to do that, but it doesn't mean that we're not angry inside. But do we admit it? You see, internalised and unacknowledged anger is dangerous. Internalised and unacknowledged anger can be dangerous. It not only can cause you to get ill, you know, sometimes if you're really frustrated, all of the, you know, you're really tense up inside, it can actually cause you physical illness. It can lead to internal, unacknowledged responses. You can withdraw from a relationship because you're angry and you never admit it to yourself. You, you just no longer make the kind of effort you used to make. You just step back a bit. And if you were honest with yourself, you'd go, yeah, yeah, I'm angry. But you don't admit it to yourself. There's too many other things going on. It can lead to judgmental attitudes. And we can have those, even when we're really nice and polite on the outside, inside we can still be very judgmental. The second thing that Jonah does with his anger, he acknowledges it firstly, then he prays. Yeah? He didn't allow his anger to build inside, he prays. Yeah? He brings it to God. So sometimes we don't bring stuff to God because we're angry, and that's the very reason you should bring it to God. <coughs> How honest are you when you pray? Let me ask you that. How honest are you when you pray? Do you say to God what you really think? Even when you think, oh my goodness, if anyone heard what I was saying here, they would, really, um, they would be like shocked. Are you honest with God when you pray? You must become honest. If you're not honest with God, I plead with you to become honest with God when you pray. And do you know what you'll discover? He doesn't smite you. Yeah? When you're honest with God, you won't, it won't be like, no, don't kill me. He's not like that. Yeah? He's kinder than you think. He's more compassionate to you when, you when you express that kind of thing. And do you know what? When you're honest with God, he helps you find a way out. If you don't bring it to God, you try and find your own way out. So I can only encourage you to learn to be honest with God about your anger. He knows what anger can do. He doesn't leave you sitting there. He doesn't act indifferently to your anger. He doesn't, it's not pro, he doesn't provoke him in the same way, but he doesn't act indifferently. He shows compassion. Have you a right, Jonah, to be so angry? Yeah? Because Jonah took his anger to God, it's within the context of his relationship with God that he's dealing with his anger. The third thing that you notice, Jonah acknowledges it, he prays. The third thing is he speaks truth. Yeah? Jonah speaks truth. And you remember right at the beginning I said this, this story rests on one verse in chapter 4. And it rests on that verse where Jonah says to God, about God, uh, the, the reason I didn't want to come, God, was because I knew what you were like. Yeah, this is what he says, I knew, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. I knew that's what you were like, 
And that's why I didn't want to come, because I didn't want to come to a place where I brought out this big judgment and you did nothing. Because it makes me look a bit foolish. What does it say about you, God? I, I didn't want that to happen. And anyway, these Ninevites deserve it. They deserve it. So God, uh, Jonah speaks truth about God and his character. And, and sometimes when you're praying and you're angry, there's a danger that you cannot speak truth and you can talk about all your stuff. Oh God, I'm so terrible. I'm really awful. Really bad. Oh God. And you can go around all that kind of stuff. And sometimes what you need to do is speak truth to yourself about what God is like. Yeah? And that really helps you. It, it really does. Uh, do you know, I, I, I'm, I'm saying that, I know that to be true. It really helps you to, to really pray and say, and to be able to thank God because, oh, Father, you're so kind. You're so good. You're so, you're so merciful. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, even when I mess up, you do not do... I, I pray like that all the time. I pray like that all the time because I remind myself regularly <coughs> my ability to handle being Christian and living in this world is not just about me. It's all about him and who he is and what he's like. Yeah? And so that's why I'm motivated to talk to you about God's kinder than you realise he is. He can handle your anger. He can handle what you think is your sin. He can handle that. Because some of the things that Jonah says are not very nice things. Oh, I'm angry enough to die. Yeah? Well, I'd be, if, if he said that, I'd, I'd be like, oh no, we need to get some suicide watch going. Something's going on here. We've got some counsellors here. Yeah. But he brings it to God. Yeah, oh, bring it to God. When you feel that angry, bring it to God. Do you know what? You'll feel released. You will feel free. You think, oh my God, you're so... I can, I, and then it will come out in even greater bounds of worship when you realise, I can even bring the worst of myself to God and he accepts me. Now, it's not that God goes, oh, I don't... But you know what I mean? God accepts me in the context of your relationship. He, he, he accepts you. You want to be like that, this is just a side issue. But, you know, when you've got children, one of the things that my, particularly my middle daughter has said to me in the past was, I just knew with my parents that they just accepted me. Didn't matter. And, uh, and, and we were like, oh, yeah, that level of grace is quite hard. <laughs> it really is hard. Yeah? But there's a truth in it. There's, there's something about unconditional acceptance. Grace. I'm accepted. God accepts you, even in your worst state. Even when you wake up and you're feeling it, he accepts you. If you get that, then you will come to him far more often when, in other occasions, you might not come to him. And, and it will help you not make silly decisions about what you do with anger, and it make right decisions about what you do with anger. One of our issues with anger is we see anger as sin. Yeah? Sometimes we think, oh, no, I can't get angry. Get angry. And, and it leads us to thinking, oh, no, I've got to apologise. And, and we don't want to go through all that process, so we just try, don't admit, I'm not, I'm not really angry. I'm not angry. Yeah? But the Bible doesn't call anger sin. It just says, in your anger, don't sin. Yeah? How do I avoid myself from sinning in my anger? I take my anger to God. Yeah? 
if I'm honest, there's no other way of doing it. How do I avoid in my anger, not sinning? Well, there's a number of things I can do. I normally go for a run, that makes me feel better. Or I normally just start, start doing something, I eat, I do stuff. No, in your anger, if you don't want to sin, take it to God, pray. First thing, get to the point where that is how you naturally react. Oh God, I'm feeling, I'll come to you. I'm feeling angry right now. And I do not want to go down the way of where anger becomes destructive. Help me, God, help me. Let me encourage you to do that. Now, sometimes our anger, sorry to go on, I didn't want to know, I want to know about anger, but this is what came out. Sometimes our anger is not personal. So it's not like you've done something to me and I feel angry towards you. Uh, sometimes it, it's, it's bigger than that, yeah? Sometimes it's about injustice, unfairness, prejudice, or suffering in the world. I can get angry about those things, yeah? The problem with that kind of anger, which I can get, is is because it's not personal and it's all about injustice and unfairness and that sort of stuff, to me, it's justified. I'm justified in being angry about those things. But you know what? I don't think that's what God does for us. I don't think God causes you to bring those kinds of things and to be angry about them. Because the problem with that kind of anger, where you kind of justify it, and that kind of anger, it leads to, what does it lead to? It might lead to some actions which you think, oh yeah, no, I did some good stuff. But you know it will also lead to? It will also lead to judgmental resentment towards certain people because the thing that you're angry about, say the injustice, will be epitomised by someone. Someone or some group will epitomise the thing that you're angry about. And that makes it very difficult, or they won't see it the way you see it. And that makes it very difficult to love someone when what, epitomize, what they epitomise is the thing that you're really angry about. I'm really angry about this thing, you know. These, whenever, they, whenever they shut the tube, I get so annoyed. Really annoyed when they shut the tube. And I see the people who shut the tube and they're just laughing and joking and they don't realise it causes me such a... <laughs> yeah? So we get angry about silly things, but we get really annoyed about it. And so when I meet those people who shut the tube, I'm not open and warm, I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah. yeah, I'm angry, yeah, because I get angry about those kinds of, those kinds of things. Now, even if you think those things are justified, let me tell you, that kind of anger is not justified. It is not justified to get angry in that kind of way, yeah, because first of all, uh, you only never see things from your perspective. Yeah, this was Jonah's problem with Nineveh. Was Jonah couldn't see the Ninevites. Jonah could only see the world from Jonah's perspective. And from Jonah's perspective, Israel was God's people. Israel needed God's mercy. Yeah? And oh, by the way, so do I. Yeah? Jonah was like, oh yeah, I need God's mercy. The idea that God might be merciful to people who were not Israel was very difficult for Jonah to get. Very difficult for him to understand. So whilst he was... He was in his mind, the Ninevites were evil and violent people. He knew God was, was merciful and gracious. He was grateful that God had saved him. Yeah? But he had absolutely no compassion for them. No compassion for them whatsoever. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Why are you doing that? And we can be like that. Yeah? We can sometimes 
not have any ability to extend grace to people that are not like us. We, 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 I can understand certain kinds of people and their thing, but other people, I'm like, oh, I don't understand it. That's where the empathy comes in. But the problem with that kind of anger is if you don't bring it to God, if you don't, if you don't put him right at the centre, that anger is an ongoing issue in your life. Yeah? When you bring anger to God, it's not ongoing anymore. He comes in. He helps. When you bring anger to God, it removes the burden for change from me to him. Yeah? So though, though there's this big thing, and God, you need to do something, when I genuinely bring that to God, I can leave the burden with God. Yeah? And therefore, that stops me trying to do my bit to help the world, yeah? because I think, God, I need you to help the world. Yeah? And ultimately, you help the world in a way that I can't even begin to imagine. It leaves the burden with him. The next thing it does when I bring my anger to God is a faith thing because I have to believe in my innermost, deepest thing that the best thing I can do is pray and bring this to God. That's the best thing I can do. Often I don't think that's the best thing I can do. I think to myself, I need to pray, but I need to do something. Pray, but I need to do something. I, I don't often, I sometimes wonder how much we really believe that God answers prayer. How much we really believe that. Because if I really believed God answered prayer, I would pray more and I would do less. If I really believed it, if I really believed in John, when it speaks in John 14, 15, 16, it says, ask of me whatever you will in my name and I'll do it. If I really believed that, I would tell, I'm just going to ask. I'll pray more and I'll do less. Because I recognise that if things are going to happen, God is going to do them. He may well use me, but he doesn't need my ideas. Yeah? He doesn't need my energy. He doesn't need the gifts I think I have. He doesn't need all of that. What he needs me to do is to pray. What does it say in Jeremiah? If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I'll hear. And I go, yeah, but what about, what about, what about? The fact that in some cultures people can do nothing but they can still pray is an indication that God is serious about that. We are one of the few cultures in the world ever that can do stuff. So we now take doing stuff as being something that God gives us. Oh, God's given me this ability to do stuff. In reality, God wants you to pray and he wants to get you to the point where you are really on your knees and you're saying, God, if you don't do anything here, this is not going to change. God needs more people like that. But at the moment, he has people who pray prayers at the beginning of their meetings, talk about the things they're going to do, and then they pray prayers at the end of their meetings. We want to be people, and it's not easy, to be someone who so believes, who so trusts, that they say, God, I, I can only look to you. There's nothing else I can do. So quickly, coming to the end of this, just make a couple of comments on empathy. So Jonah has no empathy. He's not bothered about the Ninevites. You know, you know the, the word he gives to them is not very nice. 40 more days and you're out of here. They like panicking. He's just wandering around. He doesn't really care. Yeah? He's got no empathy and then he's angry. And he's angry because of what God has done. And then God shows him. He teaches him th this lesson with the plant and the worm. Yeah? God teaches Jonah and he can teach us through a plant and a worm 
where the plant grows up and, and Jonah's, remember Jonah's outside the city now. He's kind of waiting for God to act. He's kind of waiting for God to do his stuff. God doesn't do it and it's hot out there and a plant grows up and it, it shades him. He's like, oh, this is lovely. This is lovely, this plant. Thank you, Lord. The plant's come. Thank you. And then the plant withers and Jonah gets angry about the plant. Yeah? He's concerned about the plant and God says to him, have you? Jonah. Yeah? Now the kindness of God to speak to him like this. Jonah. To just explain to me, Jonah, um, do you have a right to be angry about the plant? I'm angry enough to die. <laughs> Jonah, you're, con- you're concerned about the plant. I hear you. You're concerned about the plant. Don't you think I could be concerned about 120,000 people, Jonah, and all their livestock? You're concerned about a plant that you did nothing. You did nothing for it. It's 120,000. Don't you think my mercy can extend to them? We can get so caught up in our thing that we can forget, oh, no, God's mercy is, is much bigger than that. It's much more than that. It, it embraces more. I mean, this passage reminded me just in that moment of, of that passage in the New Testament where it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We read that in the New Testament, we know that to be true. And yet here in the deep recesses of the Old Testament is an example of it in reality. Here's Nineveh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And they might not look like you, They might not act like you. They might do things that offend you. But that means that that doesn't mean they can't call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And God wanted Jonah to at least get that a little bit. And he wants you and I to get that a little bit. And when we get that a little bit, our equivalent of the plant, and I won't tell you what yours is, you'll know. You'll know the things that anger you that in reality you'll be embarrassed about when it comes to the, the revival of the world, saving the world, you think, oh, do I get angry about, oh, yeah, I got angry that the TV wasn't working. You know the little things that are embarrassing, really, and God says, do you have any right to be angry about that? Should I not show compassion? Yeah, should I not show compassion? completely lost my papers. God wants to teach us something bigger as we come just to the very quickly summarise this. God wants to teach us that in him being kinder than we realise and and I emphasise that because you can go, I believe God's kind but he's kinder than you think he is. If you realise that you will come to him more. Yeah, because people, you're drawn to kindness. We're all drawn to kindness. So if if God is that kind, I'll I'll be drawn to him more. If God is not only that kind, but God handles my anger in a way that I never always imagined, I always spiritualise it that, oh, I need to come to God, I need to be holy. But actually, if I realise I can come to God anyhow, I'm going to be drawn to God more. 
this should make a difference. This should make a difference the next time you get angry. Yeah? Which for some of us will be in five minutes. Yeah? The next time that feeling comes up. Yeah? This should make a difference because it should make me go, oh God, sorry. I'm, I'm going to come to you with my anger. Because when I come to God with my anger, even if it's personal, I've depersonalized it. If you've hurt me and I go to God with my anger, I've depersonalized it. Because do you know what? I can learn a lot more here than I can tell you, right, I'm going to, you go, sort it out. Yeah, sometimes it's appropriate to do that. But do you know what? Sometimes I just need to bring it to God. I can deal with anger that way. You can. And so, if you believe that, you'll come to God more. If you believe he's kind, you, you, you'll be drawn to him. If you realise that the, that the calling on your life is nothing to do necessarily with what you want to do, what you like to do, then you'll be open to God more. You'll be more willing when God says, I need you to go here, I need you to go there, I need you to do this, I need you to do that. Yeah? You could work, put these words over the life of Jesus. He only ever did what he saw the Father doing. Which means he didn't do what he thought to do. And clearly... Gethsemane tells us that there was a moment where Jesus wasn't quite in line with what the... Yeah, okay, if it's your will, I'll do it. He wasn't way the cross. He was okay, the cross. It was submission. And so if you understand God in that kind of way, it will help you. So my prayer is that we get God in that way, that we don't walk away from here and go, oh, yeah, 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 good talk, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. My prayer is that we'll go, oh no, Father, I could deepen my walk with you. Simply because of the few words I've heard, I could deepen my walk with you. I could respond differently. I could be less frustrated. I could be more at peace in my heart. I can be more joyful because you're more, you're more gracious than I've realised. And God, that you could help me, not just to, to receive your grace, but to be a recipient to others of your grace, who are not like me. Let's pray. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.